When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Welcome again to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Zach. Just kidding. This is not Zach. I'm going to start over. All right. Does that work? Yeah, Zach. Oh, you're fine. Okay, don't worry about maybe it. This maybe, is, and maybe, I'm Faraz. Maybe we'll put that back in. <laughs> yeah, Zach and Faraz are here. You can, you guys can take a guess at who I am, but we're both here, back at the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast today. We have a special guest later on the podcast. Talk all things NFL. Former player, and now NFL media mogul. Okay. Uh, you can you, you can catch that later in the episode. For now, though, we have a lot of news to talk about, Zach. A lot of news yep. to hit since we last spoke on Thursday. Let's start in Seattle, man. Seahawks running backs, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, both banged up right now. Walker has a groin injury. Uh, we don't know how long he'll be out for, and Charbonnet has a shoulder issue. No idea how long he'll be out of camp for. Uh, if no one running back ends up coming back first, like let's say – Walker comes back in a week and Charbonnet doesn't come back for a couple of weeks. You know, it's going to be tough to think that Charbonnet is going to make a huge dent into Walker's workload, right? Like, especially right. early on in the season. Um, if Walker takes a longer time to come back and Charbonnet's shoulder injury isn't that serious, and then Charbonnet impresses in camp while Walker's not there, then he can potentially eat into Walker's share more than he would have, right? If both were active in camp, potentially. Um, right. Kenny McIntosh, you know, is the next like running back in this backfield that I care about. Um, you know, we talked about him at length this offseason during the draft season. You know, very good pass catching back. He has chops on early downs as well. Uh, and he was drafted way too late, in my opinion. Um, are you panicking here, Zach? Are you looking at this situation as like, uh oh, like I this is an already like crazy backfield right here and you, you might have been avoiding it already, but like, what are your thoughts? Okay, so hot take. I don't know if this is a hot take. Maybe it is. I don't know. I think, I think, I, I think it's going to be. I'll I put think it on my that... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I'm ready. All right, go ahead. Oh, you got your blast jacket on? <laughs> <laughs> your flak jacket? <laughs> Here's the hot take. I think that the injury actually clarifies the backfield a little bit, and it could help. You know, I think it could make 2023 easier on us deciding who we want to target at this point. Kenneth Walker. Sounds like his injury isn't as serious. Zach Charbonnet sounds a little bit more serious. Like he's going to take more time for him to come back from that. I think it kind of removes us from having that decision to make between Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Because I think when Zach Charbonnet got drafted, you know, obviously nobody liked it from in the fantasy community. It was supposed to be Kenneth Walker's year. But, you know, as time passes, like, okay, we just got to get used to this idea of having two running backs, a 1A and a 1B. But now, if the 1B is out, like you said, five or six weeks, is he going to come back and make much of a dent at all in Kenneth Walker's carries? I don't really think so. 
obviously it's terrible for Charbonnet, you know, as a player. But when you look at it from a fantasy perspective, we don't have to deal with that question anymore, especially early in the season, assuming Kenneth Walker comes back. Then it's just a simple backfield uh, rotation of Kenneth Walker, the main guy, early down. You know, he can even get a little bit of passing work. And Kenny McIntosh might be able to jump in and be a passing back. You know, he might have a little bit more of a role there. It might not be fantastic. You know, you don't want to see players get hurt. But if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, I think that a lot of question marks could be answered, especially early in the season. There's not going to be a whole lot of question if Kenneth, Kenneth Walker comes back and Zach Charbonnet doesn't who's going to be getting most of the carries. It's going to look a lot like it did last season. Obviously, I think the Seahawks offense is going to be pass first, you know, this season. They have uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. They drafted Jackson Smith and the Jigba. But Kenneth Walker's going to get the carries. He can score touchdowns. It's going to be production very similar to last year, I think, if that happens to be the case where Charbonnet can't come back. So in that sense, I think that the clarity actually helps us a lot. And Kenny McIntosh, I think he was drafted way too late too. I don't know how much of a role he's going to have. I think it's just going to be like a spot producer. It's not going to be anything that you can throw into a flex or anything, but I think it'll just make it easier for us. So I'm as bad as it sounds. Okay. With this shift in the depth chart, if that makes sense. Yeah. And we'll see how long these guys are out for. Like, it's very possible. Like both come back next week, <laughs> right? Like it's possible. Like, yeah. Like, like Pete Carroll, when I watched the press conference, when he talked about it and you know, he didn't use the word indefinitely, right for charbonnet like that was like the word that was attached to charbonnet status but that right. was like a media attached word like i watched the press conference and Carroll didn't say that word okay so like yeah, when you whenever right. you hear indefinitely you're like oh that means it could forever. be anything mm-hmm. <laughs> well <laughs> sometimes means- <laughs> indefinitely is forever and sometimes it's two weeks so like right, sometimes exactly. it's not even a week who knows? That's yeah, why it's so indefinite. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see what ends up actually happening here. Um, but yeah, you know, the longer they're out, though, I agree. The more likely this is a Kenneth Walker backfield. I'm with you. Yeah, 100%. Jeremy Fowler is reporting that the Bucks coaches are seeing star potential in running back Rashad White, and he's expected to see a heavy workload this year. Uh, Fowler also said that the team has expanded White's route tree as well. And I think this might be a good opportunity. And uh, um, this is me now talking, not Jeremy Fowler. I think this is a good opportunity to review what kind of prospect White was coming out, right? He does have the potential, I think, of being in that like pass catching tier with the guys who we've seen catch 80 plus balls before, right? That elite right. pass catching tier. I think he could get there. Right, the Bucks draft him in the third round. You know, draft capital. He got it. Okay, day two running back. Okay, um, and here here's what I said about him last year before the draft. I said, uh, uh, and I quote: "White is one of my favorite targets in rookie drafts because of his ability in the receiving game. I think White has the most upside as a pass catcher out of any running back in this class." And um, he tied with James Cook with the highest yards per touch. Uh, in last year's class, um, and among all Power 5 running backs with 20 or more targets in 2021, he was second in yards per route run, okay, 2.24 yards per route run, which is an insane number. Um, He caught 43 or 48 targets that season, so efficiency stuck on high volume. That's what you want to see. And last year, he caught 50 or 58 passes thrown his way in the NFL, so some of that carried over. Um, I always thought he was a little bit raw in the run game, but it seems like the coaches think he's good enough to handle that workload too. So we'll see if anyone else, 
you know, like Sean Tucker maybe makes their way into the rotation as a change of pace option. Uh, but for now, like it's looking like Rashad White's the guy, man. And, you know, it, you know, the more we, we move into the season, the more I am picking Rashad White over James Conner uh, in that little, you know, because they're kind of going back to back. Right. And you if you yeah. need a running back and you're going to choose one of those guys later on in drafts in like the sixth round, seventh round. You got to make a decision between those two. A lot of people are going to go James Conner. A lot of people are going to go Rashad White. But I think Rashad White probably has less of a chance to get hurt, if that makes sense. Um, you know, both offenses are going to be bad, but the Cardinals' offense is probably worse. What's your take here? Um, I know we talked about this before, but the more we're moving into the offseason, the more it seems like it is going to be the Rashad White show. Yeah. So. It's tough to qualify because if you want to compare James Conner and Rashad White, I think it's a very fair comparison. It makes sense. They're going back-to-back in drafts. I think Rashad White, just by virtue of his passing game ability, I think is going to make him more valuable between those two backs because James Conner, I think he's going to have not as much receiving work, but still enough where you know James Conner, he's going to be the back that we expect him to be. But Rashad White, the way they're talking about him, I mean, granted, they're on the Bucks. There's not a whole lot of talent in that RB room. So, or in the QB room, just it's going to be a bad offense, I think. But I think if you have to qualify which one I would rather have, it would probably be probably be Rashad White. I think Rashad White at this point, you know, the elite volume is going to be there. He wasn't terribly efficient, you know, last year in terms of production. He wasn't explosive or anything after the catch or anything like that. But it's also worth noting that he had all of those catches with Leonard Fournette getting, I think it was like seventy or eighty targets. Or catching 70 or 80 he had, balls. He had 70, like 73 or 74 catches. It was somewhere in year. the 70s. So, like, Insane. obviously, that's with Tom Brady at quarterback. You know, he was checking it down. It's going to be way different with Baker Mayfield there. But I don't think that's just going to suddenly stop. You know, out of, let's say, Leonard Fournette had 70 catches. Rashad White had the 50, whatever. That's 120 targets and receptions, at least. If you just drop that down a little bit, say there's only 80 or 90 this season two running backs it's because they're backup quarterbacks. You know, they're not going to be throwing downfield as much. It'll take the outlet guy when they need it. And that's going to be Rashad white. That's still going to be plenty of volume, especially for a running back, you know, to really produce. And, and if he's the guy in the ground game, if Sean Tucker is just a change of pace and not somebody that they're actively rotating in and out on a regular basis, you know, as like one role and another Rashad white. I mean, we talked about it. Like, the, like we said, he's going to be an extremely high volume player even if the efficiency isn't there, like there's going to be a baseline floor for you every week. So I, I, I like that. And it's good to hear that he's wowing a little bit at camp. I've heard better reports about other players, you know, not necessarily on the Bucks, but just in general. But that's the type of reports you want to hear from a guy who wasn't super flashy last year. So it sounds like he's taking some steps towards being a better runner. And that's going to get him on the field more. And he could definitely outperform his ADP right now. Yeah, and the fact that they're installing more, you know, a bigger route tree and all that kind of stuff seems like they're going to, you know, use them in the receiving game um, as a weapon. Similar to how Baker Mayfield used Christian McCaffrey last year. You know, he had the highest check down rate of any quarterback last year. Right. Um, and that's because of the fact that he had CMC early on in the year. Now, these two players are on different levels, obviously, you know, CMC and Rashad White. But it's a similar type of notion where at least Baker Mayfield is willing to check it down to a receiver when they are a plus in that department, if that makes right. sense. Um, Garrett Wilson expected to be back in practice on Saturday after he rolled his ankle late last week. 
looks seems like that was a very minor injury. That was great to hear. Seems like you know if he was hurt on Sunday in week three, he was able to play in week four. You know, so that's good. To, that's good. That's good news. Um, yep. So he he can continue to build that rapport with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, keep this offense, you know, on schedule in camp, and you know, have it rolling. And you know, I'm just kind of hoping that there's not many more highlight highlights, so I can continue to grab him in the second round. Because like, right. if we keep seeing touchdown for touchdown for touchdown, this dude is going to creep up into the first dude. I I, yeah. I it's, it's going to happen. Like, I, I want to grab him in the middle of the second where I'm happy taking him. But otherwise, right. man, like. It might, it might get out of control. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, here's my question for you. Even if he does go into the first, is that going to sway you from taking him? Like, yeah, I because think, I think probably. If, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, I think at this point, if, if I had to choose, you know, and I'm talking redraft, you know, I'm not talking yeah. dynasty. If I had to choose, I would probably take Garrett Wilson over Devontae Adams right now. Me too. Devontae Adams is going, I think, is, I, believe, I think he's going higher. No? Me too. No, uh, he is. Oh, he's going, going a little lower. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so I think right it's like Amon Ra, Amon Ra, and Garrett Wilson are going around the same spot, and then you have Devonte going a little bit after. Yeah, that's right. kind no, of I how it's been. You, you, That's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. like, so then, yeah. then the question becomes: then the question becomes, our receivers is it Garrett Wilson or is it CD Lamb? I think I mean, it's CD. I think it's CD. I think CD. I'm still taking CD. I have him in that AJ Brown tier, right? Mm-hmm. So I have him like back to back with AJ. And then the question becomes, uh, it becomes, it becomes Devante, Gary Wilson, and Amon Ra. Like that's and that's and they're kind of grouped together for me. And the reason right. why, like you know, Gary Wilson in a full PPR, I might lean St. Brown, and then in like a half PPR setting, I might lean Gary Wilson, just because we know that Gary Wilson is going to be targeted downfield, and St. Brown probably is going to continue no. not to be, right? Right? His air yards yeah, was super super low compared yeah. to like someone like. Gary Wilson, who could Super do low, yeah. everything everywhere, right? Gary right. Wilson just has a higher ceiling. Yeah, so. I don't blame anybody for taking Garrett Wilson over Amon Ra. By the way, I really don't. No, you I know. mean Garrett Wilson. I don't blame them really. I mean, outside of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, maybe Cooper Cup, and Tyreek Hill, like I think there's a case to be made if things really go, they shake out Garrett Wilson's way that he could outperform Stephon Diggs. I, I think that's possible. It is possible. <laughs> I but think, think Stefan Diggs likely? Could, no, but I don't blame I think Diggs is gonna I think Diggs is gonna go off this year again. Like I really All do. Right, well, yeah, that's fair. I think he's going it's, to it's Stefan Diggs. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um did and you know, I might as well talk about Dalton Kincaid real quick. Like we talked about him last week a little bit. Um, but like all we've been seeing is more of that, right? We've just yeah. been seeing him like running more with the first team offense, Josh Allen targeting him all week long. Gabe Davis not being targeted as much. Um, so, you know, he's somebody to, to look at. Now, James Cook, we, we've been talking about him as well, you know, especially after the, the Naheem Hines uh, incident. Um, but James Cook, you know, over, over the first week of camp, he has been consistently the first running back with Allen. There's been no question that he's been the RB1. He's been on, he's been on the field with the first-team offense. He's making plays in the receiving game, too. We saw that video the other day, you know, beaten – uh, I think it was a, I think it was a safety on the outside uh, for the touchdown. Um, right. But the hype is getting a little louder for James Cook, Zach. Right, his yeah. ADP might go up a little bit here, deservedly so, because he was he was being taken like the ninth round. Right. So yeah. if you're gonna get a potentially three down back, not every down back, but a three down back, like 15 touches or so, a lot of that coming in the receiving game, I think people are gonna be as uh, gonna be kind of intrigued. But is it gonna be enough? To boost his ADP to let's say the six seven turn, 
Do you think it can happen? Or do you think, like, especially if more camp videos start coming out and more, there's going to be more reports about him doing his thing and Josh Allen targeting him, do you think it could get that high? I don't think it's going to. And I, oh, thank I will concede. I will concede <laughs> that the hype is definitely real with James Cook now. But I think we need to look at the situation here, too. Just what has really changed. Naeem Hines, they traded for him last year. And we thought that he would be factored into the run game, and that didn't happen. Now, I don't want to just say, well, he wasn't involved in the uh, – not the run game, the passing game. I don't want to just sit here and say, oh, well, he wasn't in, involved in the passing game last year, so it's not going to happen this year. Like, it could have. We could have seen him on the field more in passing downs because they only brought in Damian Harris. He's not a pass catcher. You know, he's a, he's early down back. So, Naeem Hines leaves a picture. Okay, I think James Cook would have gotten more targets anyway, even if Naeem Hines was playing. You know, I think that James Cook would have had that role – I think 60-40 more opposed to like 100-0 right now is what we're looking at. I think that that is a change, but not a humongous one. So the hype is there. I think that the three-down roll can be there, but we're still talking about an offense where the offense, it's going to run through Josh Allen with his legs. Maybe not as much. Josh Allen said, okay, he's not going to run the ball as much. I'll wait and see when that happens. And then also Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid's coming up out of nowhere. And I think Dalton Kincaid has a pretty clear route to being the number two target in this offense, assuming, you know, this these training camp reports and the videos aren't smoke. So how many targets are there going to be going around when your top playmakers are Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, maybe even Dalton Kincaid? Obviously, James Cook in a much better situation because he's going to have that receiving role pretty much on lockdown. But with just that receiving role, I don't know how far that can take him. I don't think that's enough hype, especially given what we saw last season, too out of him it's just like i don't think we need to be pushing his adp that high if it does go that high then i'll let somebody else so you're, so you're saying you're saying stop talking about him that's what I'm, oh i'm not saying stop talking about him, but <laughs> to the six seven turn i i think that's a little high you don't want to yeah. get ahead of your See, I think, and that's what happens I, during I think, training camp i think there was some um there was a little bit of ambiguity in terms of like how involved is damian harris going to be Right, like, is right. he going to be the guy on early downs, like the guy pounding the rock? Right, like, is there going to be a clear divide? Like, are they going to be the early down backs, him and Latavius Murray, and then like James Cook coming in on passing downs? Right, like, yeah, are they going to limit long, to third that? down? Yeah, yep. exactly, exactly. But it seems like James Cook is like the like the lead guy, right? Yeah. Like when they open up the game, he's on the field on first and yep. ten. Right. That's what I want. You know what I mean? That's exactly what you want. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm, dude, he's a big target of mine at this point. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about Joe Burrow yet. He's going to miss the entire, pretty much the entire offseason. You know, most likely all of preseason games, all of camp. Um, and this isn't new for Burrow. Like, we obviously got that calf injury, right? Um, mm -hmm. he missed almost all of camp last year with an appendectomy, and you know, like it didn't even matter for Jamar Chase. He went off. He, week one, he had ten catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. Okay, just right. in case you had any questions around Jamar Chase, right? So, no. like, that, that to me, like, it's like, whatever, dude. It's like, he's, he'll be back and, and they'll be okay. It, imagine when he's, like, imagine when uh, Joe Burrow is actually going to have a full training camp. Like, watch out. Right. <laughs> Look out, <laughs> NFL. I hear you 100%. But it is interesting because he missed, you know, the entirety of, you know, offseason, like you said, last year with the appendectomy. Now, this year, the same thing's happened to him with the calf injury. But it's worth noting, Joe Burrow did come out cold 
last year. He threw four picks to the Steelers and he kept yeah. that game close. Remember that? It, it was it wasn't a rough game. He had a league average type of fantasy performance. It was still 17 points. He threw two touchdowns, but he threw four picks. And then he corrected it obviously pretty quickly after that. Um, but I'm not worried about Joe Burrow missing his time. He's gonna be just fine. Same with the receivers. I don't think he's gonna miss week one. The calf like we're to the point where it doesn't matter if he misses the offseason because he's going to be a good quarterback regardless. So there's nothing really to worry about here. Unless he's been in say, this system too for like four years now. Right. Right. You know, Jamar yep. Chase, he's been playing with him forever. You know, so it's not a, it's not a big deal, but you know, right. it, it would be nice for him to get some practice during the training camp. It, it, it yeah. would be a good. Thing. And then plus the year before he was um, rehabbing, right? Like ACL. Yep. Right, so like There's, he's never having like a clear off season, dude. He's just right. unlucky like that. We can um, look forward to next year. <laughs> all right, so we got some training camp nuggets for you that we didn't cover in the podcast yet. Um, it seems as though Jake Ferguson is in fact the guy, Zach, on your yes. Cowboys. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any other tight end competing. Uh, Shoemaker is banged up right now. Uh, even if he wasn't, like you know, we talked about this before. Like, I'm not sure he'd be making a big impact anyway uh, for that mm-hmm. starting role. Um, I think Ferguson's going to be up there, like in route participation among tight ends, which is going to make him fantasy relevant with Dak at QB. Like, yeah. I have him up near tight end 17 right now in my rankings, which is extremely high compared to where he's being drafted. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and by the way, guys, like, if you want my rankings, it's up at patreon.com slash upperhand fantasy. Um, we've also included blurbs on more than 100 players and these blurbs aren't just like regular blurbs these blurbs are going to win your fantasy championship okay like this is in detail stuff like stuff that matters for fantasy and and conducive to like you know knowing whether these players are going to score fantasy points or not this is not like hey this guy was the wide receiver eight uh last year and uh no we're not doing we're not doing that okay we're doing mm-hmm. like real analysis here okay i just want to let you guys know all right patreon.com slash upper hand fantasy you can go <laughs> check out the rankings but uh yeah man like the dude is being drafted jake ferguson's being drafted like super late right like oh actually he's right. not being drafted at all i should say like no one's drafting him uh right. but tight end 17 that's where i have him in my rankings which is like like 11 or 12 spots above where, where what his adp is yeah, that is he's tight end twenty eight right now on underdog. Do you think that ceiling's a little higher? Do you think his ceiling's higher than seventeen? Oh yeah, 17? for sure. I, I his think ceiling it is. is his ceiling is top twelve. I mean, he he's he can be a tight end one. You know, I think okay. it's possible. So say he runs, he gets like seventy percent. Okay, seventy percent. Okay. Any of those route participation where okay. he's just like clearly the guy. Like, I mean, if assume, it's if it's eighty percent, dude, like there's only probably like seven or eight tight ends in the league who are running at eighty percent. So right. that that would give him like a huge edge for sure. Yeah. And tight ends, I mean, granted, Kellen Moore left, but tight ends have been pretty useful in Dallas's offense in terms yeah. of fantasy. You know, Dalton Schultz was not an athletic guy, not a guy that goes and does much after the catch, but you know, the volume was there. They were schemed yeah. in a bunch. And Dak historically, you know, he tends to elevate tight ends a little bit. I yep. called earlier this offseason, I was talking about Schoonmaker, thinking that maybe he would be able to play. Um, I didn't anticipate the injury carrying all the way through training camp. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to provide a whole lot of competition anyway for Jake Ferguson. So assuming Jake Ferguson's a guy, it looks like at this point, Jake Ferguson is going to be the tight end one. So if that's the case, I I think tight end 17 is very fair ranking. I think it could even go a couple spots higher. But for now, just because we still aren't sure if Schoonmaker is going to be rotating in, I don't 
think that's going to happen at all through this preseason, so it's going to be tough for him to get on the field later on. But um, I think for now, we can assume Jake Ferguson's the guy. So he's being yeah. severely underdrafted right now. And he was pretty high. Uh, I think he was like second or third in yards. Like, uh, where was he in yards per route run? He was pretty high. He was like top six or something like that. So he was. Yeah, pretty, I, was, I don't have it in my notes right now prepared. I'm ridiculous. But it, number, it, it yeah. was up there. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a very small sample size, obviously, because Dalton Schultz was there for the most part last year. Right. Um, but when Ferguson was on the field running routes, he was pretty efficient. And Let's it's worth noting. He's, it. he's a good athlete, too. Do you have it? I, I had it. I was looking at it before. And here it is. Yeah. I have it. Yards per route run. We have. Where is Jake Ferguson? You could, you could do it, buddy. Uh, I'm looking for it. Got command F. This do it. Thing. Yards you per route run. Was it, it among? No, it wasn't among rookies. Oh, uh, hang on. It. There's a bunch of guys. Where are All right, I got it. Yeah, where is he? <laughs> All right. I don't have it. Oh, he was top yeah, six. There you go. Top six in yards per route run among all tight ends last year on a very small sample size. That's what it was. Top six. I was right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So we didn't, need, we, didn't, we, didn't, even... we didn't need to do any of that. It, it, we, we oh, it must it. be a small sample size. I don't even see him. <laughs> <laughs> I must have a filter on or something. I you just pulled up have... a random. PSF I think you have a filter on on at. like five or more targets. I think that's yeah. That's, that's the you have. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at this PFF chart I was using for like high target tight ends, and I think I got the filter. Yeah, on. most bad. likely. Now, uh, speaking of tight ends, Patriots camp. It's been a little flipperoo between Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki. Hunter Henry right. has been. Mac Jones' favorite target in camp, and not Mike Gesicki, Zach. What is going on? It was Mike Gesicki in OTAs in minicamp. Remember, Hunter Henry was Mac Jones' guy last year. Okay, let's not forget. Okay, so what what are we supposed to believe here, Zach? What is going on? Okay, there's there's two tight end sets going to happen, right? Should we just be avoiding these tight ends like should we not even be considering them just like we did last year because you know obviously there was you know there were there were two good tight ends and you know very big signings right by the patriots yeah. uh neither of them came through hunter henry had his games for sure because he was a red zone target mm. what happens here man like are we are we was were we too in on gesicki too early no i, I don't think we're too in on Gesicki, I mean, it's it's a span of a couple days where, okay, Hunter Henry's a favorite target. But we just saw that Mike Gesicki was also a favorite target earlier in the offseason. So I don't think, you know, you go over time, you look at those two, you know, splits of time and think, okay. It's, it's one, training camp, Zach. One is OTAs. Yeah, it's training camp. And one is training camp. Okay. So now, should we, should, are we in on Hunter Henry now? Like, are we doing this? Are we Are we, are we doing the flip? No, there's no flip to be had here. You have to value them pretty similarly. I think what we have right now is one guy got time in OTAs, one guy got time in training camp, and there's still plenty of training camp to go through. I, I, I moved I moved Hunter Henry up above Mike Gesicki in my rankings, by the way. Yeah, that's fine. You you can do that. <laughs> this type of report, I you can allow a little recency bias when we're this close to the season. You know, it's training camp, and that's what's going on. But I don't think you have to worry about either of them because neither of them are being drafted really to be tight end ones they're being drafted to be like the upside tight end ones and i think where you're drafting them i think that it's not anything you have to really worry about right now because I have an idea. Uh, one more thing 
Sure. Bill O'Brien is bringing in that tight end first offense. I think that's going to change things compared to what we saw past couple of years where remember they, they brought in Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith to be the yep. one, two at tight end. And that just didn't work out because I don't think Johnny Smith, he wasn't much of a receiving tight end. He was, but he, he, he just didn't turn into that with the Patriots. I don't get it. That's just how it goes sometimes. But I don't get it now either, they have, man. they have, well, they, I, I, Oh, I get it. They had a defensive coordinator running their offense last year. Oh, duh. How do we miss that now? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So that's the thing. You can't really extrapolate off of that offense last year, which it makes yeah. it really tough to analyze. But right. you look at it, Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry, I think they're going to be fine. I think that them, along with, I think, Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously this is the easy way out. For pass catchers, they're just going to be the guys that lead the target share. Because Maybe I was just looking- avoid this entire situation. Should we just do that? That would be the easy way. Uh, <laughs> honestly, if you want to do yourself a favor in fantasy drafts this year, just avoid the Patriots. And that's been the common theme, you know, over the past few years with the pass catchers, at least. Reminder Stevens is kind of bucking that trend where you can't trust a Ravens running back. Not Ravens, Patriots running back. That is now someone you can target. But outside of that, if you want to just spare yourself the headache like we're having right now on the podcast, just don't draft a Patriots tight end or, or a pass catcher even. <laughs> that's just the way it goes. But I think that they have the upside if this whole tight end scheme works out. I'm not worried about it going one way or another. It's just how it's going to be. Each tight end, I think, will have their games. So if you want to rely on Mac Jones throwing the ball to a tight end who might have a week, like you can do that. That's why their prices are where they are outside the top 20. But, you know, there's upside to be had there. So you can't just count it completely out. But if you want to play a hot hand here and say Hunter Henry's the guy now, sure, that's fine. I think in a couple of days, it could be Mike Gesicki. It's going to change. It's Mac Jones. It's not anybody consistent at quarterback. I think it's due to change during the season, just like this, you know, over the course of a few weeks, every few weeks. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Maybe it's just, maybe it's Mike Gesicki next week. We'll see. I, I think it could be, honestly. We will <laughs> do the Lord's work and monitor the situation for you guys. Yes, we will keep an eye on it. <laughs> All right, so going, moving to San Francisco, uh, Brock Purdy has been in and out of camp. They've given him rest days. Um, just a note about him. He has been, like, like he's been up and down, like, performance-wise, but there has been no issue with his arm strength. Like, he has the zip. He's good to go. And there's right. gonna be rust to knock off, but like in terms of like arm strength, he's there already, dude. It's it's August first right now. You know, mm-hmm. so like he has a whole month and more than a month to get right for week one. And it seems to me like he's gonna be the guy week one. You yeah. know? Um, and I don't think there's that much question about it. Um so now Sam Darnold apparently has been the better quarterback between him and Trey Lance on days where Brock Purdy Definitely on days where Brock Purdy has been there, but also when Brock Purdy has not been there, uh, Sam Darnold has been looking a little bit better. Um, Lance has been up and down. Uh, Darnold's looking solid. Um, again, we have a bunch of quarterbacks that can get it done in in that system. Um, what's new, right? Um, but yeah. it, it, it seems like if Brock Purdy were to go down with an injury or something, which tends to happen with San Francisco quarterbacks, yes. um, Sam Darnold might get starts over Trey Lance, dude, which is um, which is crazy. Yeah, I can't even fathom saying that. Imagine going back two years ago, and right? Saying that, right? Like imagine after that. Trey Lance so, gets drafted and they trade up to get him. Yeah, let's see. Like, two hey, years by ago. the way, in two years, in two years, Sam Darnold 
is going to start over Trey Lance. Yeah. Was it's, Sam it's, Darnold still, was he still on the Jets when that happened? I don't um, even know. I, he was on the Panthers. So. I know. I think he was on the Panthers. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the trade might have happened that offseason, but just think about that. that that's insane. Well, Trey Lance. That, that was the same draft we got Zach Wilson, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. that was the same draft that the Jets got draft Zach Wilson. We still had Darnold on the roster, I think. I don't remember. But yeah, so but we knew he sucked. We knew he sucked. That's that's for sure. Right? We knew yeah. that Sam Darnold was terrible. Um mm-hmm. and we, we we and he got moved after that. So, yeah, that's not good. So, um it's interesting, you know, because Sam Darnold, you know, looking at if you look at the numbers for Sam Darnold last year, like accuracy, um there's a lot of good things that pop off the chart for Sam Darnold last year. Um, right. He wasn't in a great environment, um, but at the end of the day, like paired with someone like Kyle Shanahan with the weapons that he has, like I'm kind of intrigued here. I want to see what he's capable of and he's going to get reps in the preseason. Right. Yep. So I'm, I'm interested to see what, what he can do. It, so, it so is interesting. We'll is he destined but, uh, to every- follow the Geno Smith career arc? Everybody who has, yeah, maybe everybody who has, um, uh, what's his name, Trey Lance though, on the dynasty teams. Oh yeah, they're hurting right now, including myself, including myself. I'm yeah, that's not, well, okay, so then the question becomes: Can you really blame you though? Like his his yes. career has just been derailed. Hang on, hang on, hang on. His career sure. has just been derailed from the start. Yeah, he just wasn't playing, and he's always had quarterbacks ahead of him, and now. Like he was supposed to be starting the season, but Brock Purdy happened. Yeah. Sam Darnold, like coming out of nowhere. It's, well, you know I, what? The I don't first blame thing, you. The first but... thing that comes to mind when when making that decision between so, I'll, I'll, here here's here's what I'll say about that situation. Going into the NFL draft, I had Justin Fields at one, and I had Trey Lance at two. Right. Okay. After the draft, I flip flopped. Okay, and I went. Trey Lance number one and Justin Fields number two. Why? Because of landing spot. Yep. I just thought that Trey Lance with Kyle Shanahan gonna absolutely kill it. So if I went with Justin Fields, things would have worked out a little bit better. Yes. Now I did but, do a rookie draft before the draft, and I ended up with Justin Fields at the one oh one in the Superflex mm-hmm. League, which I was happy about. Nice. But which is but that's my only that's my only league where I have Justin Fields. Um <laughs> but you know, I have Trey Lance on like two teams. And right. he's dead weight at this point. Dead the takeaway weight. here is I'm not moving him. I'm not moving him. I'm not moving him. <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Moving on to the Browns. David Njoku, somebody who I wasn't necessarily too high on going into this year, has been killing it in camp, apparently. Like, B reporters are talking about him having a big year, potentially career year this year, because that's how good he's looking. So there are a lot of mouths to feed here, Zach, um, in yeah. Cleveland, right? You got Elijah Moore. Amari Cooper, obviously, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku. Um, nobody really in the backfield to, like, care about in terms of, like, taking a huge target share or anything like that. Right. But, you know, if I had to guess, like, so I, I think Amari Cooper's going to eat first, right? Assuming yep. he stays healthy. Uh, by the way, sure. he's back. We talked about that already. And then after that, I, I think it might be between Elijah Moore and David Njoku. I kind of feel like they're kind of battling it out for the number two receiver spot in terms of target share. It's also possible that it's relatively, like it's almost the same between those two guys, right? Yeah. Which would which would not be ideal because 
like maybe for maybe for Najoku will be fine because like tar- tight ends don't need like this high target share to be relevant, uh, but a receiver does, right? So that's the issue there. It's like, is there room for all three of those guys to eat? Like Amari, Elijah Moore, and David Najoku. Um, I think DPJ will probably have his games, but like I don't think he's going to be as prominent, prominently featured as those other guys. Yeah. DPJ, I think if you had to put a stat projection on what his games where he does good are going to look like, I think it's going to be like a, a five for 65 and a touchdown. Like he's not going to be going crazy, taking a bunch of target share. I think he's going to be third or fourth. I think Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore are going to be the two guys getting the target share in the offense. I called David Njoku a bust last week. His price is way too high. I think you talk about. Yeah. Is are there so many mouths to feed? Is there going to be enough to go around for all these guys? Inevitably, the tight end, I think more often than not, is going to be the guy kind of on the outs when you have yeah. Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, you know, operating at wide receiver and Deshaun Watson, too. Like I said, I threw this one out there that Deshaun Watson in his prime years never had a tight end finish over the tight end 17 on the season. So it's like he does, I guess you could say he doesn't target his tight ends, but he was also dealing with guys like Darren Fells. You know, they weren't big name guys. David Njoku is probably the most athletic. He's probably the most receiver-like tight end that Deshaun Watson is going to have played with. And um, that's going to work in his favor. But it's good to hear David Njoku is doing his thing. But I don't think at the end of the day, he's going to have the targets to match uh, Amari Cooper or Elijah Moore. I think the targets might be there enough to make him a solid tight end. But I, I don't think it's going to be anything like career year where suddenly David Njoku's up in the top five or even top seven. You know, like I said, I think he's still just capping out at that low tight end one range just because Amari Cooper's going to need to get his and Elijah Moore is going to do well as, as well. So for me, you know, good. David Njoku's doing well. But I'm not changing the way I view him based on a couple of reports saying that he's playing well. Like he should be playing well. It's going to be a good offense. All right. Um, did we talk about Tim Patrick already? I don't think no, we, did. we didn't address him. But he he had a, a brutal injury. Stupid, right? Makes, um, makes him mad, doesn't it? Yeah, it's terrible. Like just making his way back from an ACL tear, and now he tears his Achilles. This is ridiculous. Okay, I cannot imagine the feeling of working your way back, rehabbing a pretty severe injury like an ACL tear, and now having an even more severe injury like an Achilles tear and now you're on yet another road to rehab after another surgery right that just sucks yep. KJ Hamler he also has a heart issue that he's dealing with the team released him and there's some expectation they can bring him back once he's good to go um, could even just be a few weeks um, right. but all this opens up the door for second round rookie Marvin Mims um, he's been the most slept on wide receiver uh, among all the rookie wide receivers who's been dra- who've been drafted early, like, and I get it, you know, like, seems like a pretty crowded wide receiver room in Denver. Uh, but if a player is good, they're going to break out, right? And they will move yeah. ahead of guys who aren't as good. Uh, we see it all the time. So what if he's good, right? Like he's someone who wins downfield, a very similar type of wide receiver that Russell Wilson has been used to in Seattle. I don't think he's a one trick pony in terms of him getting deep. Um, Sean Payton traded up to get him, right? It's his first wide receiver. This is his first pick as a Broncos head coach, first of all. Um, right. And might I add, the last second-round wide receiver Sean Payton drafted was Michael Thomas, okay? Mm. And um, But, yeah, so, he, you know, 
Mims is just like an analytics darling, right? Like all the stuff you want to see that right. translates into being a good fantasy wide receiver. He has it, you know, broke out at 18, meaning he's accounted for 20% or more of his team's offense at 18 years old. Okay. Uh, he was an early declare. That's what you want to, that's what you want to see. First round draft capital uh, is ideal, but second round draft capital, which was what he had is good enough. Um, yeah. Jackson Smith, the Jigba had the highest career yards per route run in college from this draft class. Marvin Mims was second. He also had the second highest percentage of explosive plays, uh, per fantasy life and only second to JSN. Okay. So I, I think it's worth taking a shot on him with your last round pick. Like he's really not on anyone's radar in redraft. You know, he's really not on anyone's, you know, like wish list. So even in dynasty, like he's not really a name, like many people are excited to pick. Right. right. But I think there's a lot to like here with his profile. I think I think he's a true sleeper. Yeah. Will it work out? I don't know. But is it possible that, you know, he ends up earning a bigger role than Cortland Sutton? Like it sounds That's... a little crazy, mm-hmm. but I can kind of see it if he's good. That's what I was gonna say. Because like Cortland Sutton is like the old school X where it's just like you Jump right. ball, you know, throw it up to him. He's not going to do a whole lot. He's not like a new school receiver that we're seeing right. a bunch of coming out. Marvin Mims is one of those guys where they're checking all these boxes. JSN is one of those guys checking all these boxes, all these prospects that we've seen come out. Cortland Sutton isn't that. And Cortland Sutton, ever since he had the injury, he just hasn't really looked the same. And, you know, you want to keep putting eggs in his basket because we know what he can be, but he's just not getting there. And Jerry Judy's there now. Marvin Mims, I think, Second round capital is good enough for me. AJ Brown had second round capital. There's plenty of receivers that had capital in the second round. You don't have to worry about that. That's obviously good enough. It's not like ideal first round, like you said, but it's obviously, I think that's plenty second round. They trade up to get him. They're definitely going to feature him in this offense. I think Sean Payton is going to fix Russell Wilson, like we've been saying all offseason. So if that's the case, like what's there not to like? Because I'm with you. I don't think it's too crazy of an idea to think that, okay. Could Marvin Mims jump ahead of Cortland Sutton? I don't I don't think that's crazy at all. Because Cortland Sutton's kind of just been getting beat by other guys. There were people talking about Tim Patrick being the second wide receiver behind Jerry Judy over Cortland Sutton. So I think right. Marvin Mims, he's young. Like you said, checks all the boxes. There's no reason not to take him at this point. You know, if like, a couple of days ago with KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick ahead of him, no one was talking about him. You know, it's like, okay, maybe, you know, he's a flyer in a dynasty league. But now suddenly he's a flyer in redraft. And he's looking pretty good for Dynasty if he could break out. Like, there's potential yeah. here. So you don't just leave that on the waiver wire. Definitely get him if he's still on your wire, 100%. Yeah. Now, we didn't talk much about the Jonathan Taylor situation, right? It got a little crazy, yeah. right, over the weekend. He asked for a trade. He talked to the Colts o- owner, Jim Ursa, about it. He refused the trade publicly. Just a weird way to go about it, honestly, like on both sides, you know, uh, or say yeah. a little weirder, but this doesn't seem like a great situation. Like, <laughs> like at the, at the end of the day, um, the relationship between the two sides has obviously soured. And now you have a disgruntled Jonathan Taylor, right? And mm-hmm. you have Jim Irsay, who probably won't be budging at all. And I think JT is going to end up playing. But the question I have is, does he really have an injury or not? Like, They've threatened to put JT on the NFI list, which would allow the Colts to not pay him this year and also not let him accrue a season, which means he'll be back in the same situation last as as he is right now, next year. Right. By the way, yeah. uh, Zach Moss also broke his arm 
Uh, he'll be out. So the other backs on the roster are Evan Hall, who I'm a fan of. All very versatile running back, very good in the receiving game. Also, Deion Jackson. We'll see if those guys come into play if the situation, if the Jay Taylor situation, you know, doesn't get resolved. Um, I was kind of like already not targeting Jonathan Taylor, and right. I'm still not. But like, if he ends up falling because of this, like into the third round, like I'm in. Yeah. But if if his price stays similarly, I'm probably still out. As is the case with most players or all players. Every every player is a target at the right price. So obviously, yeah. if he goes down to the third round, like you said, you're not going to pull away from that and say we're not going to take him. But I think right now, like you said, I wasn't targeting him either, him either to begin with. So this doesn't really hurt me at all. I'm not hurt. It's just like, oh wow, you know that's tough. Hopefully, you know he's on the field. But I agree, the way they went about it was very odd. It felt like it just went from like zero to a hundred, and then of course right. Zach Moss gets hurt to complicate things even more. Suddenly. It's Deion Jackson and Evan Hall. And Evan Hall, like, could he get some realistic time at this point? I don't even know. Like, is Jonathan Taylor going to play? There's so much ambiguity now suddenly in this backfield that Jonathan Taylor, you know, he's not that he, – he wasn't a surefire pick to begin with, but he's not even, like, a solid second-round pick now at this point. It just seems like this is, like, the culmination of the entire offseason for running backs, where it's just, like, nobody's getting paid, and now Jonathan Taylor just decides, okay – I mean, I think Jim Irsay, he came out and just said straight up to Jonathan Taylor that he wasn't going to extend him. Like, right. that's an Pretty odd much. way to go about the negotiations, too. Like, there's not even wiggle room there. Like, you can't even offer a, a decent contract, just some type of contract. That you're just not – we're going to come out and say that you're not ex- extending him at all. Like, And this is Jonathan Taylor, man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's not like some scrub. It's not like the J.K. <laughs> Dobbins situation, right? Like, right. He's proved it, you know? Yeah, so right. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, that's not what I meant. But <laughs> it, it, like, in terms of, like, you know, John Taylor proved it, dude. He had a, a ridiculous season a couple years ago. Yeah, not not a couple years ago. Like, two, two years Not ago. even two years ago. You know, because in, in terms of chronological time, not even two years ago. Last season, <laughs> he was just hurt. So suddenly, your running back gets hurt, who is pretty much the face of your offense two years ago, like, and, and you're you, not going to pay him? Like, become terrible. At, it, it doesn't make any sense. Listen, man, your rookie quarterback needs Jonathan Taylor right now. Yeah. Straight up. Do you think Do you but, think Anthony anyway. Richardson is going to go into the season feeling better that he doesn't have Jonathan Taylor? Like you're trying no. to ease your running your, your quarterback not. into the game and you're going to take away the best player on the field. Like, right. Just doesn't I don't think that's a good idea. Not a good idea. All right. Well, that's going to do it uh, for this segment. All right, now I think it's time. We all right. We have a very special guest with us today. You want some some real NFL insight? He's the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which is all things NFL, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, all things fantasy, and the Even Money Podcast, all things NFL betting. We have Ross Tucker in the house. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Ross. Yeah, my pleasure, Ross. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. Um, you know, we actually met one time. You probably don't remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure you had a radio booth set up at Tony Romo's Fantasy Expo at the time. Uh, now it's SportsCon, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. uh, I was, you remember that? So I, I mean, I don't know if you remember talking to me, but you remember being there. Um, I remember being there in Fort yep. Worth. Yeah, I tried that <laughs> exactly. one year. Yeah, that same for me. That was that one year, right? And I was a nobody at the time, just starting out. And you know, I remember you. You simply took out the time to have a conversation with me. You know, you gave me your two cents on a few questions that I had, just uh, you know, about the business overall. And I remember that, man. And and it's stuff like that where people like me, you know, getting started out at the time where 
people like you are you know, already very established in the sports media game, you know, former NFL player taking the time out. It really means a lot. So thanks for that. And uh, well, you, you know, know what? It really, yeah. it really means a lot that you um, just told that story and reminded me of that because um, you know, I like to hear things like that, right? Of course. I, 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 I like to think I'm a good person and I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you weren't one of the guys I told to buzz off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nope, no, it, it might have been the guy after me because I took up so much of your time. Uh, but yeah, no, as long as for me personally, you know, it was it was a great, uh, great conversation. Um, awesome. But I, I want I wanted to get into the current landscape of the NFL, man. Let's just dive right in. I, I know you're all things NFL, but you do some extra things with the Eagles, right? You know, we're about a week into camp at this point. Uh, the Eagles obviously had an amazing season last year, but I do want to dive into the offense a little bit. You know, they just acquired DeAndre Swift. They also brought in Rashad Penny uh, on a very cheap contract. I thought it was a great move on their part. But I'm looking at that backfield, you know, and I go, you know, there is a lot of talent between those two guys. If they stay healthy, you know, they can potentially turn into one of the best backfield tandems in the NFL, but the health is a big part of that, right? Um, but the Eagles have to know that these two aren't necessarily super dependable, right? Their health has been their main issue throughout their careers. They're, you know, the Eagles have been a run-focused team also. Um, and they, they did become a little bit more balanced last year after getting A.J. Brown. But, you know, given that the backfield isn't super dependable right now, and Howie Roseman has to know that, you know, Swift, a legitimate weapon, the receiving game. Is it possible that the Eagles are about to be not as dependent on the run game? Do you see that potentially happening? Maybe even go a little bit more pass heavy? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, first of all, Jalen Hurts has lit it up in training camp so far. So it would not surprise me if they threw the ball a little bit more this year than they did last year. But they were so successful last year that they should pretty much keep trying to do exactly that um, as long as it's working. I guess the way I look at it for us is I feel like the floor for the Eagles at the running back position is Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell. And they're very comfortable with both those guys. They've both been there the last couple of years under Nick Sirianni. They both played well at times. I mean, Gainwell had the most snaps out of all of them in the playoffs last year. Boston Scott can do his thing. So I feel like those guys represent the floor. And then Swift and Penny are kind of the ceiling, right? right. And it's almost like because of their health issues, it's almost like they're lottery tickets. They're, they're both on one-year deals. Um now, I will say this. The Eagles have done a remarkable job the last two years of staying healthy. Remarkable. I mean, whatever they're doing, it is working. And so I think on some level, they look at it like, well, they got a better chance to stay healthy here than anywhere else, especially with our O-line. Secondly, unlike perhaps in Detroit or Seattle, I don't think Penny or Swift, either one of them is going to get so many uh, touches that – that they're more likely to break down. And I also think the Eagles kind of look at it like, you know what? The odds are probably that one of them gets hurt and one of them stays healthy, and they're kind of okay with that. You know, I mean, I think they want them to both stay healthy, obviously. Now, from a fantasy perspective, just kind of watching practice and, and reading some of the practice reports, it certainly feels like they really like what Swift can do out of the backfield. 
So if you're in leagues with like a full PPR or whatever, you know, Swift has a chance to really have a nice year. On the flip side, Rashad Penny, you know, nobody's had more yards after contact than him in recent years, and nobody gets you more yards before you get contacted than the Eagles. So he has a chance if he stayed healthy. I think I said somewhere, I mean, I don't think like offensive player of the year is outside the realm of possibility, but I don't think the Eagles would let him get there because I think if they're having a lot of success with him, they'll probably try to dial him back and keep him healthy if they think he's a difference-making player. So uh, it very much, from fantasy perspective, becomes uh, what feels like a running back by committee. Uh, but they could both have some really big games. They're, they're probably good guys for like a best ball league with each of them having some weeks where they really help you out. But I don't know if you'll get the consistency from either one of them. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, they don't have their, like, Miles Sanders this year, right, where, you know, they're going to ride it back, you know, for 230, you know, carries or anything like that. So I, I totally understand that point of view. But DeAndre Swift, you know, this is an interesting wrinkle that they've added into this offense, right? And it seems like from from what I've read uh, from training camp is that they are deploying him, you know, outside. They are deploying him, you know, all over the place. And Rashad Penny was even quoted as saying that, you know, he – this. He hasn't seen this many route trees uh, for for the running back position, uh, and and Sirianni even said that you know they their offense is based off of the skill and the players that they have right now. So it, I'm really curious to see how they deploy Swift because he does definitely have a lot of upside. And Rashad Penny too, going in the tenth round of, of fantasy drafts right now. So uh, you know n- not a whole lot you have to spend up for some upside. Um, yeah, so let's switch a little bit um, to the rest of the NFL landscape. Again, you know, we're about a week into training camp right now. We're hearing some good news on a few players we're interested in fantasy across like across the league, like Darren Waller in New York, easily looking like Daniel Jones' favorite target. Dalton Kincaid, the rookie, apparently extremely involved in the first-team offense, being targeted by Allen quite a bit. Um, are there any names around the league that you've heard about just, just that have piqued your interest over the last week or so, made you think they're – you know, but stock has potentially increased uh, in their particular offense and, you know, in turn, potentially in fantasy as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you had a good name there with Darren Waller. Uh, I th- still think he's a really unique player, and I'm still not very impressed by what we see from the, the Giants receiving core. And so I think there's a lot of potential there for Waller, especially in the play-action passing game, especially in the middle of the field, where it wouldn't surprise me at all if he led the Giants in receiving. It feels like this is an offense in which the like almost old school, which the tight end and the running backs uh, can lead them in in catches. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Waller and Saquon Barkley are one-two in some way, shape, or form in terms of their receptions this year and that the Giants are still successful with them doing it that way. So that's certainly something that jumped out. Um, you know, I too have seen what you, you've you seen about Dalton Kincaid and it, it really sounds like he's going to be their slot receiver. And yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of talk of him being on the field at the same time as Dawson Knox. And so that's pretty encouraging that you might be able to get slot receiver production from a guy that you draft at tight end with the caveat being there's not a great track record 
for rookie tight ends in the NFL putting up numbers for fantasy. So that's that's a little bit concerning, um, especially when there's also all these reports that, you know, Gabe Davis is this is going to be his breakout year, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, on some level, it's like, OK, well, how many you know, how many guys are going to have their put up big numbers, especially when we know Stephon Diggs isn't going to be happy if he's not getting uh, a, a, a large amount of touches and for us, but them signing Latavius Murray and Damian Harris and bringing in guards like Connor McGovern or Cyrus Torrance, I actually think they want to run it more. I, I think they right. want to be take the pressure off Josh Allen a little more. So there's only one ball, bro. I don't know how they're going to do all that. Yeah, and you have James Cook too, potentially, you know, being very involved uh, in the receiving game. You know, Devin Singletary not there anymore, and his his bread and butter. You know, similarly, like we talked about with with uh, DeAndre Swift, like they're going to potentially move to actually throwing the running back the ball. Uh, I think this year, uh, you know, with him as their potentially, you know, it seems like he's going to be their clear RB one this year. But I do agree that they have some bigger backs there, especially around the goal line. I don't know if they want to have Josh Allen take all those hits, you know, at the goal line anymore. So I I, I do I do like those names. Um, we we talked earlier about the Eagles, you know, obviously getting AJ Brown. It allowed them to shift their offensive philosophy just a little bit. And it helped Jalen Hurts reach another level, right? Now, the Bears brought in DJ Moore. Okay, not the same type of player as A.J. Brown, but a very good you know, NFL number one wide receiver. And the word is that him and Justin Fields are building some great chemistry, right? And my question to you is, like, do you think that this move, you know, getting him and Fields, you know, getting Darnell Mooney back and Chase Claypool healthy, he has a solid tight end and Cole Komet, like, do you think Fields – can take his overall game to the next level uh, in a, maybe not at the same level as Jalen Hurts did, but maybe, you know, in a similar fashion. Well, I, I think he'll be better. I think the offensive line, I mean, they've done a lot to help him out, right? I mean, you bring in Darnell Wright to play right tackle. You have Nate Davis to play right guard. It should be a much, much better um, offensive line for the Bears, and then you have D.J. Moore, which they desperately needed after the Chase Claypool trade, which is just a disaster. I mean, oh yeah, just a disaster. And it, and it doesn't sound like it's getting better. Uh, kudos, I guess, to um, Claypool for realizing it's the biggest year of his life and he needs to play well and all those things. At least he recognizes um, the sense of urgency that he needs to have, but – I don't know, man. I, I, I still kind of feel like um, DJ Moore will be the guy that gets more of the touches. Sure. I expect Fields to maybe be halfway between what he was last year and what Hertz was able to accomplish. Um, which would be awesome. Which would be awesome. Which would be I great. Mean, yeah. And by the way, nobody – I don't even know if Jalen Hurts' family knew or realized he would play that well <laughs> last year. I mean, he so was – he was fantastic, and obviously that that surprised a lot of people. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think I think I, I agree with you. Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm sorry. Justin Fields finished as a QB five last year in fantasy. Okay, and that was with the a really really bad you know passing offense and just like horrific passing game, right? And and if he could just step that up just a little bit and then still have the the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns to complement that, man, like top five <laughs> might be his his floor uh, for fantasy this season.
Um, so just last last topic here. We we've had a lot going on in Denver lately. You know, uh, they just had two wide receivers go down. Tim Patrick, another brutal injury, dude. Like Achilles tear right after he was making his way back from the ACL tear. Tear just brutal for him. Uh, and then you had KJ Hamler who got waived, um, you know, with the intentions of potentially bringing him back in. He has a little bit of a heart issue that he's going to get sorted out. Could only take a couple weeks, uh, potentially, so that would be good. But I think we should be really paying attention to the second-round rookie wide receiver, Marvin Mims, out of Oklahoma, who could see some extra opportunity here in camp. I think he's a little bit of a sleeper. But Sean Payton making those comments about the coaching disaster last year, you know, he's coming in and trying to save the day. Uh, in Denver, do you think he will save the day? Do you think he can revive Russell Wilson? You know that the Russell Wilson that we've seen over the last ten seasons, you know, prior to his, you know, really really terrible year last year, um, he was just a completely different quarterback. Yeah, you know, I think for us, I'm going to use the same line I just used with Justin Fields, which is I think Russell Wilson will probably get about halfway between how bad he was last year. And what he used to be in Seattle. I, I don't think we're going to see Seattle rust again because yeah. I don't think he moves as well. I don't think he's as explosive. However, I think Sean Payton recognizes that and is going to design the offense around him being able to be better in, in the pocket, get rid of the ball quickly. So I think he'll be – I mean, look, he was always a top 10 quarterback in Seattle. At, at, for a lot of times, he was top five. Last year, I mean, he was bottom five. Yeah. Definitely bottom ten in the NFL. So the way I would describe it for us, I think he'll be between the 10th to 20th best quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he'll be top ten. I don't think he'll be bottom ten. I think he'll be in the middle, which would be enough for Denver to be a lot better. Right. No, 100%. And, you know, they're going to have to depend on him a little bit because Javante Williams coming back from a, a pretty bad, you know, ACL injury plus all the other stuff that he tore. Um, so I don't know how much they can depend on the run game. They brought some AJP Ryan in. But, you know, this this a lot of this offense might be on Russell Wilson's shoulders. But I do agree, you know, those sh that sh the short passing game with Jerry Judy and, and Greg Dulcich uh, can definitely help as well. So – with that being said, Ross, I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, this was awesome. Really appreciate your time. Um, by the way, guys, you can catch Ross on the Ross Tucker football podcast as well as several others. He's at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter, and you can find all of his stuff going on over there. Thanks again, Ross. I really appreciate it, man. For us, uh, my, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Feel free to have me on anytime. And thank you again for the kind words. You know, you probably thought – do I bring it up? Do I not bring it up? I'm really glad you did bring it up. Number one, so all of your audience thinks I'm a nice guy. But number two, <laughs> it just reinforces uh, that I'm uh, I'm hopefully uh, doing the right thing in life. And so that meant a lot to me. That made my day, man. Thank you very much. Awesome. Awesome. That's good. That good to hear, man. I, I appreciate all it. Right. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Sounds great. See you.